Good. Okay. Hey, everyone. This is uh, Coach Mark Nolan and uh, from Don't I'll Kick Your Coverage. And today we have another exciting episode. Um, and today we're going to be talking about the recruiting aspect, the ins and outs of it from a, a person who's really an expert, one I admire, uh, and her name is Miss Diane Bloodworth. She's the CEO of a company called Scout Smart Recruiting out of Atlanta, Georgia. I've known her for a couple of years, and she brings a really unique way of bringing kids into the program and helping parents understand the dynamics of recruiting. Currently, Diane's focus is really has been on the football side, but I'll tell you one thing I know is that no matter what Diane does, she's got some great resources on her website as well that can help any personnel. I don't care if you're a cheerleader, I don't care if you're a baseball player, a basketball player, whatever it is. So I would have, I would hope that you guys go out there and Diane's going to give you some great tips to what we're going to do. But before we begin, I want to congratulate the Kansas City Chiefs for winning the Super Bowl. Uh, exciting game. Oh, and by the way, guess what it came down to? Once again, the kicker. And I am humbled to have said that I've worked with Harrison Buckner since his high school days at Westminster High School and then at Georgia Tech. We've had some great pictures together. Clearly uh, a great young man, grateful of faith, and just an amazing young man. So it's exciting to see those guys play. And, and I'm an old Philly guy. You know, I played in Philly for one year, so I, I, was, I was torn between who was going to do it. But I'm, I'm grateful that it was a great game. Thank God not to me. People got hurt, and uh, I hope they have a great parade. So with that, we're going to uh, now jump into um, our discussion with Diane. And Diane, I have some questions for you that I would like to see if you wouldn't mind answering for me. And take your time as long as you want. Uh, but there's only about 12 or 13 questions. And I think it will help our audience understand what you bring to the table and why and your passion. Okay? Sounds great, Mark. Thanks for, okay. thanks for the uh, interview today. I appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. So, you know, one of the things that I'm always interested in when I'm talking to other CEOs, you know, I was a CEO of my own company many years ago. Uh, you know, why did you start uh, Scout Smart Recruiting? What was the focus on that? You know, it's it's a, been an interesting journey. I actually had the idea back in the 90s when I was wow. in a, yeah, I was in an MBA class at the U, the University of Miami, and I got paired with the star running back on their national championship team. And that just got me thinking about, uh, you know, how we could use technology and data in sports. It took a lot of customer discovery and discussions with coaches. Um, initially, I thought it might be more game planning, but when I went out and talked to the coaches, they said, you know where we need help is recruiting, not mm. game planning. So that's mm. when I kind of pivoted uh, away from some of the things I was doing and focused on recruiting. Wow, okay, so you started out the U down there. Was uh was that when was that prior to um, oh I guess that was prior to the uh, our our famous we used to have the um, Catholics versus the convicts uh, <laughs> yeah. Notre Dame yeah, that, <laughs> Notre was Dame. Little, that was a little before <laughs> then <laughs> okay um, so but you mentioned a little bit about how you started it but you know what made you want to start a business and why what was the was you, you say to yourself hey look no one's doing this so why not me or did you really say some people are coming to me and they're struggling or what was the rationale? Did you, or did you just get it from somebody that said, Hey, we're struggling here at the university of Miami. Can you help us out? So what, how did that all start? Yeah, really. It was the fact that I'm an entrepreneur. I love, okay. uh, love building startups and um, 
I love data and technology and football. So I decided to combine the things that I know. I had just uh, sold one of my businesses uh, in the D.C. area. I lived in the D.C. area and it, my business had been acquired. And so I was thinking about what I wanted to do next. And I'm like, I'm going to combine my passion for football with my knowledge of uh, data. Wow, that's ex that's excellent. You know, I was uh, I'm a data freak myself. Uh, you know, I was at University of Maryland doing my MBA stuff, and I was um, I was in a I was in a class I used to call statistics. You know, statistical analysis classes, and I used to love data because it just gave me something to grab onto as opposed to just throwing something out there. So I've I've been data driven probably uh, for the last 35, 40 years, like yourself. So that's, that's awesome that you've taken that responsibility on. So what is your favorite part of your job? And then the least favorite part of your job, if I can ask you that. Certainly. Uh, my favorite part of the job is actually uh, introducing a coach to a recruit through our data. You know, knowing okay. that the coach took a look at that profile and immediately felt like that recruit is one that we want to take a closer look at. Uh, mm -hmm. And then it, it is a good fit and everybody mm -hmm. wins. I love it. You know, when I first started, I was all about the coaches. Uh, yeah, really. And that's who we sell to. So I'm still all mm -hmm. about the coaches. But I really have a heart for the recruits, too. I love seeing them be able to play at the next level uh, and giving them those opportunities. So when that comes together, that is unbelievably great. That's I would probably. Yeah, excellent. Yeah. I would say probably the least favorite thing is. I don't really enjoy some of the day-to-day -day accounting and making sure everything, you know, the the under the uh, infrastructure type things you have to do in a business, you know, to make sure everything is looking the same every day. I'm more the creator and and like engaging with the users. Sure, sure. When I had my company and my technology company, I had a sign on my door, and you know, when I was the CEO of the company, I had a sign on my door that said, "Look." If you're not coming in to tell me how good looking I am today or the nice tie I have on, leave me alone. There's other people here that take care of those problems. Yeah. So yeah. I'm not quite there, your Mark, but that's kind of my goal. <laughs> hey, be careful what you ask for. You be careful it. what you ask for, as they say. Um, so right. that's you know the, the great part about you saying, you know, you work with the coaches and the uh and the staff. How how early do you in think the young men and women should be involved in a recruiting process from your standpoint? I'm glad you asked that question because we have a lot of guys reaching out to us when they're juniors or seniors and saying, I'm not getting any offers. Can you mm. help me? And we always try to do anything we can to help a recruit within, within reason, within our abilities. But, you know, I, I, when we educate the recruits, I want to make them sure they know start early. When you're a freshman, if you think this is something you're going to want to do at the next level, if you want to play football at the next level, start thinking about the recruiting process and what that's going to take. Start thinking about your academics and your GPA. And mm. I know, Mark, you agree with me on this. I do. Um, I do. Even if the school does not require that you have a really high GPA, that you're only just be eligible, it still sets you apart when they start going through um, other recruits, other prospects who have a similar mm -hmm. athletic skill to you, it's going to set you apart if you've got that higher GPA. So really start thinking about what your goals are, how you're going to get there, and working on your academics when you start high school. Uh, that's awesome. And, you know, it's, it's funny you mentioned that because, you know, I uh, 
on almost every weekend where I'm training these, uh, these young guys out there training, I just got done training uh, this past weekend. Yeah. You know, one of my first questions is how's how are your grades? Uh, and it, it is a fascinating story. I I'm working with a kid, a young man, uh, that just got preferred walk on, uh, you know, he had some struggles early on, uh, his freshman sophomore year really didn't focus on the academics thought he could get there, you know, his kicking abilities, uh, and we actually changed him around. Uh, so one of the schools that was looking for him was an out of state school, but they had said, listen, if you can get to a 3.5 on your GPA, we'll give you in-state tuition. And, you know, that can be a huge amount. For instance, I believe this school was at $38,000 for out-of-state tuition and in-state tuition was $17,000. So one of the things that he learned uh, and what I bring out and I drill down these kids' brains is, you know, when you're a freshman or sophomore, don't think you can get lax because you started getting C's and D's as a freshman. It's very hard to get back to that 3.5 or 3.6 uh, level, you know, 3.6. And to your point, Diane, you made a great point about comparing kids. Like I always tell the guys, look, if I got, if I'm a coach and I have two kickers and, you know, kiddingly, we used to say kickers and punters always increase the GPA of the football team. That was just a joke we used to have. Right. Um, for, and I said, look, if I, yeah. if, if, I, if I got a football, if I got a kicker or punter over here, it's got a four zero average. And I got a guy over here who's got a 2.5 average and I have to still bring that person into through the admissions office, which cell is going to be an easy one to have, all things being equal, right? Well, I'm going to take the 4-0 kid because he or she is going to have those grades that a college coach is saying, you know what, we may not have to worry as much about Johnny or Jane as opposed to Jimmy or Janie over here who's got a 2.5 average. Exactly. Okay. Um, so what? what's the – What's the one thing, you know, that you look at when we're in this recruiting experts, you know, I see it out there on Twitter every day. It's amazing how people are experts now in the world of recruiting after, uh, you know, the last two years or so. So uh, what what is the one thing that you disagree with with these so-called experts in the field? Well, I, I probably there's a couple of things. One is I think it's it's difficult to say you're an expert right now because the recruiting field is changing yes. uh, with the transfer portal and NIL yes. and yes. the NCAA regulations are changing on it mm-hmm. constantly. So I wouldn't even call myself an expert. I would say I am always working to understand what's happening and, and what uh, is going on around recruiting. And that's kind of goes with what's important is, you know, education, make sure you're educating the parents, the recruits are educate, getting education around this process. Um, I would say one thing I disagree with sometimes with some of the coaches and, and recruiting coordinators is sometimes I think they limit themselves to geographic areas uh, just because they're comfortable with that or they're afraid right. of the prospects might not move out of state. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would really like for them to take a broader approach. And I know not every kid's going to want to move across the country or not every kid from Georgia is going to want to live in Boston. Uh, but I think they should be a little broader minded about it and not just depend on those existing relationships, but kind of broaden their reach to get the absolute best players for their team, no matter what level they are. Yeah, because it is it is a melting pot. I mean, you know, if you if you do Correct. look at you know, college sports in general, you know, and, and I think you made a great point, Don, because this is like, 
this is when we have travel ball. Like when we have travel ball here in America at the youth level, like the U10, U11, U12, you know, I was a DOC, a director of coaching over at a soccer club here in Atlanta many years ago. And the sell to these teams would be, they're going to bring the whole team over, you know, to this other team. And it was a big battle, you know, like Concord Fire and NASA and Top Hat, you know, they did. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. We've already got kids that are in this program that have been here for five or six years. So if we only have two teams, I don't necessarily want to bring a whole bunch of new kids over here and new parents into our program that we don't know about. And, you know, the flip side would be you know, when you're when you're dealing with the people in the board or at the board, they're like, no, no, we want to need we need to win more championships. So we don't care where those kids come from. So dealing with those issues, right, at the U11, U12, U13, I think coaches do have their eye charts, if you will, of who they like to recruit from and why, uh, I, I think. But, you know, like, again, if Thank you're you. to your point, if I'm a if I'm a kicker here in Georgia uh, who's never seen snow and I'd say that, you know, hand in cheek and all of a sudden he takes a visit to Boston and you're like, well, how do you like want to kick up here in the snow? They're like, uh, OK, well, I've never done that. But so. You know, they're going to try to take a kid from Boston area, probably, that has played enough in cold weather and in snow. That's right. But you never know. And that's kind of why I think our database can allow them to, to kind of broaden their perspective. It might take a little time then to really get a good handle on that player and see, you know, they don't know. He may have lived in Boston for 15 years and only Correct. Georgia. For, you don't know. And so that's kind of why I'm saying let's take a broader perspective and then narrow it down. It goes back. I think you and I talked about funnels. Recruiting yes. is a funnel. And so yes. that, that kid might fall out of their funnel. But I think it's it's worthwhile to to absolutely with technology and data. I think you have more access to information to get into uh, if they should stay in the funnel or drop out. Yes, yes. And, you know, it's funny because we, we to the flip side of that, you know, our son was born here in Georgia. And when he took his five official visits, three of them happened to be SEC schools, right? And he ended up picking Stony Brook University as a D1 school. But he, he went up there, A, because he wanted to be a chemical molecular engineer. And, you know, so after we got on to the weekend visit, they started, the, you know, they had the whole recruiting board up there. And like, hey, who's this kid from Georgia wanting to come up here and play in the north? I'm like, well, you know, I didn't say anything, but my son, our son loves cold weather. He would if he had shirts on down here, if he had long pants on, it would only because he had to wear them for school, you know? Right, he, right. <laughs> so he spent, you know, he graduated from uh, Stony Brook undergraduate and then got his master's. And now he's doing his PhD work at Ohio state. So to your point, that's a great segment into how these coaches need to not just think they're going to get this person from this demographic area and seek out others. Um, Exactly. So if you had the attention here, here's a good, good question for you. If you had the attention of the whole high school recruiting world for five minutes, what would you say to them? I would say that recruiting is a community and we all need to participate in it. The recruits, the parents, the high school coach, the college coach, we all need to work together within NCAA guidelines to yes. really, to really make the best decisions uh, and find the best fit for recruits and college programs. Now, can you can you dig a little bit into that thing? Both data people, I think that it would be a great segment for you to be able to dig into. Like, let's say uh, you've got a school like Yale, 
okay, that might be on your list of a paying customer. And they send a note to you saying, hey, Diane, we're, we're looking for these criteria. And of course, you know, the kids that go to Yale are, are going to be a little different than the kids that go to whatever other school, right? I'm not going to knock any other school, but when they give you their request, how do you, can you walk us through how do you find the people that meets their criteria? Sure. And we actually let them go in and do the searching. I mean, we will help them if needed. Oh, okay. if they have access to go in. And so they might search in certain states. They might search nationally, but look at everyone that is in a 2024 defensive back that has a GPA of 3.5 or higher. Okay. We also do a projected level of play. Uh, we have an algorithm that do, does that. So they may also add in and is more of an FCS type athlete. Mm -hmm. You know, um, a kid that might play in the SEC might, may or may not be interested in Yale, uh, but they can kind of filter in first on those that really project a little more uh, for the Ivy League schools. So based on coach feedback, we have got an, a, a lot of ways. Now, when you start looking at some of the linemen, we also, they could go in and search in the state of Texas for every offensive lineman that's at least 6'4" and more than 300 pounds because they right. have specific criteria um, mm -hmm. and not so much, you know, that's more power five, but they could go in and search, you know, to make sure they're going to get that height and weight they need for those positions. Okay. And how, and um, how successful is that modeling that you do around the data? Do you have like, if, if I'm a coach and I'm looking in and I say, Diane, before I do this search, do you have any data on how successful you are in putting these uh, these young men right now that are the football players into a program? And do you have it by do you have any data like if I'm again if I'm let's say Yale is again the example? Do you have a history of or can they just look at a history of what you've done by bringing kids into Yale at from that school? Yeah, I don't know that we have as much data there as I would like, Mark, being a data person. We do mm. track the accuracy of our predictions, you know, okay. uh, so that helps a little But I, I like that. That's an idea for me to do a little more data there on, on the actual outcomes. Yeah, yeah, because that outcome base it. is really, that outcome base, I think, is always helpful, you know, because one of the things I do talk about, and I do talk about it in my book, um, about, you know, the community that you mentioned, I'm a big believer that, you know, when you start your digging into the community, the community really can be, if you're at a current high school, you know, who are your teammates that may be at that college you want to go to, or who's the alumni at your school, or who works, you know, in the school district, or who's someone's in the community, the church, your church community, or even people yeah. from a LinkedIn standpoint, you know, my, you know, my parents are both on LinkedIn, and Coach Jones is over there, so you know, that community that you talk about digging the data, I think is helpful. Now, I will ask you this question, because I think this does tie into this. How, what percentage do you see, if there is one, between the parent activity in, in the recruiting efforts and the child's activity in the recruiting efforts? You know, and I think that's a delicate balance, right? I mean, mm -hmm. we deal more with the student athletes because they're generally of an age where they, you know, want to be driving their own uh, recruiting process. Um, but we do sometimes interact with the parents, too. I think the parents should be well educated around the process and, and give some guidance. But, you know, it's really that student athlete. They're going to have to stand on their own pretty quickly. 
uh, once they go to college. So I kind of like to see the student athlete, the recruit kind of take ownership of their profile and making sure it's updated and uh, kind of thinking about, like you said, digging in and understanding why they want to go to a particular school and not just DMing them their, their huddle link. You know, college coaches tell me they're overwhelmed with DMs of huddle links. Exactly. That is just information overload. So they don't even look at any of them anymore. Uh, exactly. So, you know, do, do your homework and do something. And, and your parents may help you with this, but you should lead it and, and find out something about that coach or that school and really make sure you thought about it. And that really is where you want to go to school, right? Yeah. Make yeah. Sure you're smart, but don't go wide, go deep into your research and your, your decision and your activities. Yes. Yes, that's a great that's a great point, Diane. Because you know, one of the things we do talk about is um, letting the children drive that that vehicle, that that recruiting yeah. vehicle. Um, I I remember having discussions with uh, kids, uh, you know, and talking to parents, and I would, you know, I'd meet a parent with a kid, and next thing you know, the dad's telling me all the stats. Well, Johnny's three point daddy, he's got this, he's got that, he's got that. I'm like, that's okay. And the kids are standing there, right? And I'll say, so. Uh, What's the rest of your stats? Well, you know, I, I don't know. I think my I think my GPA is a uh, you know three point two. Oh, a three. Okay. Uh, how about your ACT score? Well, I think it. And then the dad might interject. Well, he did it last year and it was a twenty one. I'm like, look, I am sure if I asked you the question of the size of the woofer and tweeter in your car, <laughs> you would know that. You would know the exact size of the tires of your car and all your playlists you have on Spotify. <laughs> but when it comes to answering certain questions like what was your field goal percentage or what was your, you know, pancake percentage or tackles or quarterback percentages? They don't know, but the parents do, you know, I mean, I've seen parents with these elaborate Excel spreadsheets, Diane, that will drive you would, would, but they're impressive, but they will drive you crazy because they have everything on there. Who got offered, who got offered a preferred walk on, who didn't get a preferred walk on. And you know, it's, it's funny to watch it. Uh, it, it is. so they're going to learn in life too. these recruits that they got to know their numbers, right? Yes. yes. Whatever, whatever point of life you're in, you got to know your numbers. You got to know yourself. So time to take that on. Great, great, great answer. And the follow up with that is how important do you believe the stars are the stars rankings and what kind of information do you get from some of the coaches you interact with? Yeah. You know, um, I think there, you know, I mean, obviously there's some validity. There's, there's, there's some uh, analysis that goes into those star rankings. I have mm -hmm. had coaches give me mixed messages about it that they don't really believe it unless they've actually seen film or observed the player. They want more than just somebody else's opinion uh, right. in terms of stars, but I think it's an indicator. I think it's one yeah. of the indicators that we have, um, you know, uh, available to us. So it's, do you use, do you use any of those rankings guides? I call them the rankings guides. Do you use any of them in, in any of your data that you go back and give to a coach or does that just not fall into your equation? It, it doesn't fall into our equation. Uh, we do use the high school stats. We get a lot of those from max preps uh, where the high schools report them. So we do use, especially for, for positions like kickers and punters and quarterbacks, you know, those stats are a really important so we do use that data, but we don't use any of the other ranking, uh, the ranking gods, as you call them. Yeah. Okay. And I kept, because, you know, it's funny because you'll see uh, 24-7 and rivals and all that kind of stuff. You know, have 
they'll have, you know, rankings and then they'll have a, they'll have a, a, a person who has NA on it, you know, not applicable. I'm like, how can you, how can you not give a kid, you know, a star? I mean, if you know the story behind the stars, the actually the star ranking came from Michelin tires, uh, you know, 150 years ago, believe it or not, but that's yeah. a different story. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it, it is yeah. It, the, the star thing does sometimes guide, right guide, uh, and but I don't know how much it is for the parent. I mean, to your point about the coaches, I'm always I always love that question to ask coaches because the majority of them tell that tell me and I interviewed I interviewed about 60 college coaches for my book. And that was about about 78 to 80 percent of them said, you know what, I don't really care about the stars. I've seen guys who didn't have who didn't have really great stars or didn't have great rankings, but their film was awesome. And, you know, that's what one thing we say, you know, the film doesn't lie. The film and the stats together don't lie. So um, I, I guess here's the here's I think we're halfway through probably. So here's one of the questions I have for you. If you could have a gigantic billboard anywhere with anything on it, I mean, metaphorically speaking, of course, and getting a message to millions or even billions of folks, what would it say and why? I, I think it would go back to say uh, kind of two things that, you know, make sure you're in a recruiting community, like you said, make sure you're surrounded by the people or seek them out that can help you uh, through that recruiting process and start early with your recruiting. Okay. Okay. Are there any quotes that, that you think about often or live your life by or, or even having your office doing to inspire your staff? Um, you know, I'm, I'm big on perseverance. This has been a, a challenging <laughs> journey. So, uh, you know, well, you're an so entrepreneur, I'll, right? You're an entrepreneur. Yes, so. yes, yes, it is uh, it's certainly a, a challenge. And, and But, you know, smart perseverance, not just doing the same thing over and over again, making sure, right. you know, you're pivoting and, and, and being using perseverance. And then I also, I am a person of faith. So I do try to say, seek ye the kingdom first. I think yeah, sometimes I go. get my priorities mixed up and put work before a lot of other things. So I have to remind myself of that. And I also think there's a lot of kids that are not getting um, the support and guidance they need. And I feel like, you know, um, making sure that some of those kids, that there's more of a level playing field um, for yes. some of these guys that, that the parents might not be able to, uh, to do the things for them that other parents can. So that's kind of on yes. my heart too. Yes. And you know, I, I just was introduced by a company out in the UK um, that wants to do some work with me. And what, what this uh, young lady does uh, and her partner that's um, over in Ireland, they actually build an app for kids. And it's, a, it's basically like a feelings kind of app where the kid goes in and has a test of like, how do I feel today? What happened in school today? What happened in the match I was in? What happened in the game today? And it, it lets them grade themselves through this you know, journal of their journey, maybe uh, you know, 30 to 45 days. And I'm like, wow, that would be a powerful tool for not just athletes, but any kid where they're going through issues at school or maybe not going through issues at school. And the parents may not even know about it. You know, I mean, I, I know there's you've probably seen it where uh, I know I'm pretty hard on the parents sometimes when I say to them, when your son comes home or daughter comes home from a, a, a practice or a match and say, hey, how was your practice today or how was the game? Then they go, fine. Well, it probably wasn't. 
you know. And of course, they go back to watching Dancing with the Stars or whatever they're doing, right? And then the kids are going upstairs doing TikTok and everything else they're doing, right? And really telling the people what's going on. So that was a great point you made about the dynamics of the kids in the setting. And that's a so part B of that question is how much do you think, you know, in the days when I was getting recruited, which was 100 years ago, you know, our guidance counselors were were really, you know, big into helping us with the things we had to do. I was blessed because I came from a family of seven. I was next to the youngest. So I had been through some of that before with my other siblings. But how important do you think now the guidance community, guidance counselor community is in helping those students with not only their academics, but with their athletics? I think it's very important. I mean, we did, and I'll just mention on our webpage, we did one with a, from a local school here in Atlanta who, who trains or educates the kids on how to calculate a core GPA, which is what they're oh. going to need to be NCAA eligible. Mm-hmm. So that they play an important role. I also talked to a counselor. She was more of an academic counselor in the city of Atlanta, and they played an important role because a lot of their kids have not really thought about going to college or leaving their neighborhood to go away to college. That's not something they grow up with exposure to. So I think those people play an important role uh, in in both the students and the student athletes' lives. And and I remember back, my guidance counselor helped me. I came uh, from a very hardworking family, but no one had graduated from college in my family. And she mm. kind of helped me get ready. Uh, you know, uh, and academically, I was solid. So I had some options, but kind of helped me through that process. Yeah, that's great. Now, do you believe anything happened? Do you think anything changed because of COVID? You th- I, I, this is just what I've heard from some of the young men and women that I train is that, you know, COVID took away that remote learning took away what what the guidance counselors were tasked with doing before and trying to now all of a sudden understand the new, the new things going on. And then when we add the, the NCAA six year, year eligibility, and then we add the, you know, don't have to take the ACT test or the SAT test and then the the transfer portal coming in and then NIL coming in. uh, It it seems like the guidance counselor was, was either loaded onto them to do be part of, or they simply didn't have the resources or whereabouts to go and get those resources to help them out. Yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right. Um, probably in some of the schools where it was needed most, right? Those are probably the schools that didn't that don't have that person available. Um, and COVID certainly impacted high school athletes getting recruited. I mean, there were mm-hmm. a number of schools, high schools that didn't even play football. Um, for a season and then you're right eligibility was extended that reduced the number of signees uh, the transfer portal there's been all kinds of factors uh, involved I will say think one thing COVID did for us is it we kind of stepped back and used it as a time to make sure we were really developing relationships with the college coaches and we Mm -hmm. did a series of webinars with them and kind of some panels and and really kind of deepened some of those relationships there. So that was a positive, but I, I don't think there was much that came out of it that was a positive for the high schoolers. Okay. All right. Uh, thank you very much for that. Uh, let me see. Um, what is one unusual habit? Okay. This is more of a 
dynamics from your standpoint. What is an unusual habit or absurd thing that you love about this business that helps you drive you? Um, well, I just I just like to see the recruits uh, get offers and get opportunities. So I spend kind of a little bit of my time going through some of the DMs I see on Twitter, I, going through our customer support and updating individual profiles, which um, can be a little tedious, but it kind of I kind of feel like I get to know the recruit a little bit by doing that. So uh, I, I enjoy a little bit of that hands on time. Uh, it motivates me. It drives me to work to get more college programs on the platform so we can help more recruits. That's great. That's great. So uh, follow that up. You know, so how has a failure, you know, as an entrepreneur, you always have failures and we, you know, we always have successes. You know, so how has a failure or, or an apparent failure uh, set you up for the success that you're having now or down the road? Yeah, and I always say, if, if you haven't failed, you haven't taken any risk, right? <laughs> so I, I think, you know, um, my upbringing was it was not okay to fail, right? So I've had to right. learn how to fail uh, gracefully. And um, But yeah, so I, I, I've had a couple of, of failures. I guess the one probably most relevant here was um, before the Scout Smart Recruiting Analytics, we were doing some things for fantasy football. We were coming mm. up with analytics to help players optimize their roster and draft well and it was a really fun business and we had a, a loyal following but it didn't scale and grow at the level it needed to and so I had to shut that down and decide to just focus on the on the football recruiting analytics and that was hard I mean shutting something down is is terribly painful but in yes. hindsight it was absolutely the right decision <clears throat> And um, I'm glad I did it, but it was, it was a hard, it's, it's hard to do that. And uh, you know, but you learn, you, you, you build some new muscles from doing that too, an ability to, to really uh, learn what you need to do in that next phase better. Correct. Different. Correct. And yeah, that's a great segment, honestly. I mean, I'm sure we all have our favorite failures, you know, I have mine and you have yours, but, you know, it's funny how I think we should tie it into the recruits is that, you know, a lot of the kids that I deal with, of course, and a lot of the parents, they think little Johnny or Janie is a P5 starter, you know, when they're six years old and they're, they're, they're going to be destined to be, uh, you know, all, and they might be right. Uh, but I see a lot of kids that, that, see an offer, see a full scholarship offer. Of course, we know it's a one year each year, but they get offered a school like an FCS school. Like, well, you know, it's, it's not a power five. I'm like, well, the reality is you're not a power five player. I mean, I have to have those discussions with guys who are quote unquote, five-star rankings by the the rankings guys. I'm like, no, you're, you're just not a five-star. I don't care. You can go to 150 camps. I'm just letting you know, that you might be a five-star because you spend $10,000 going to these camps. That's great. But getting an offer from an FCS, I think is harder, Diane, than an FBS because, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, the scholarship count in an FCS school is less than an FBS. So if, if you're at 85 or an NCAA, of course, is changing all those rules again, uh, and an FCS has 63 you know, college coaches in an FCS, they have to be really selective of the people they're going after. So that, that I do see some kids, some, some of the high school kids think that's a failure because they're being offered at an FCS school 
as opposed to an FBS school. Yeah, and I would tell them, you know, keep an open mind, uh, you know, that most of these guys are not going to play at the NFL level anyway. Correct. So if you have an opportunity to go to college to get some type of financial aid or scholarship and to think about what's next for you, uh, don't rule it out, especially if that school's a good good fit for you personally, that it's a school that you you think you could really uh, succeed uh there. So I would mm-hmm. just say keep an open mind and don't think of it as failure. Um, because, you know, I, I've taken a lot of steps along the way in my career, things I didn't really love to do. But everything I've done has kind of helped build me to that next step, that next phase. So I would say just think of it that way, um, rather than thinking of I'll only play if I'm going to be, you know, power five, right, There's just not that many kids guys that are going to that are going to play at that level. That I mean, amen. I mean, you know, again, that's the hard part of, of dealing with athletes. Um, but it's also the, the more compelling reason why, to your point, these young men and women have to start early. They have to start in their freshman yes. year to develop those relationships with those college coaches. You know, so um, in the, in the like the last five years, both pre and then post COVID. What new belief, if you do, what new beliefs or behavior or, or habit has most improved your company? Uh, and even more so, can you just talk about how do you think the high school recruits uh, will need to do moving forward, especially in the world of the transfer portal? Yeah, so I think a, kind of a couple of things I hit on already, but like during COVID, we really did learn how important it is to to really have deep relationships with those college coaches. We also, that kind of started the idea for me. We started to talk to some different groups where we formed our own scout smart communities and we built those and the kicker zone has Mm, one of those communities. Uh, We have some others, you know, that um, they're, they're almost statewide. In some cases, we work with all the Florida seven on seven high school football coaches, those types of things. So building, building, uh, the foundation uh, for what we needed to be able to connect recruits and college coaches uh, was one of those things that we did. Uh, okay. Here that yeah, on on there on your profile, and thank you for that. Um, on your on the profile that you guys are doing, you know, one of the things I see sometimes is I, I had a young man that uh, sent out a tweet maybe three months ago. He was a twenty twenty three. On his profile, it said his name, you know, it has rankings from wherever it was. Uh, but he he said, I sent this out to 150 coaches. I've gotten no response. And my question back to him was, well, let me help you out with two things you don't have on there. First of all, you don't have your GPA on your profile. To me, as a coach, that's a red flag. I don't care how many pancakes you have or how long your field goal percentage was or anything. If you don't spend the time to at least put the GPA on your profile, to me, that's a red flag. You may have forgotten it. And by the way, if you're a grad, if you're a senior, a 2023 senior, and you don't have your NCAA clearinghouse 10-digit number, that to me is a flag. And I don't know if you if you share the same thoughts or not, but you know you you can't get into the college if you don't have those kind of things in there. So how important do you think those things are? Again, in in lieu of the transfer portal. Well, it's, it's very important. I mean, the coaches always ask for the GPA. I mean, even mm. if it's just a, a eligibility type question, they, you know, and, and also, you know, I'll just say this, you know, there's 
places for folks who don't have the GPA either. If, if, it, if you do end up in your senior year and you're just not going to be a qualifier, uh, NCAA qualifier, you know, junior colleges and sure. are, are an option there. We just had a kid who's a great athlete just because of some family things going on, just didn't sure. quite make the GPA. And we were able, you know, to send his profile out to some junior colleges and he ended up at one of the top JUCOs and will probably play at a four-year program provided he's, he gets, you know, his grades uh, on the right track. So it's just one of those things, you know, make it easy for the college coaches. They are trying to get data from all these different sources and places and Twitter and, uh, you know, max preps. And, you know, and that's one of the things we do right. with Scout Smarts, bringing all that data together, but make it easy for the coaches. And then, you know, make sure you understand they're looking for, they're really recruiting for this this position. They need folks at this position and that you've got the skill set that they're looking for. As we said, do your homework. Um, right. but also make sure all your data is available and up to date. Good. So what can so last couple last one or two questions. So what can we what can people expect from you and your company next? What's on the next what's the next big thing or big idea you're working on to to help the uh, the football recruits and their families? Yeah, so uh, a couple of things. One is we are expanding our communities, which I've talked about on this call already. Yes. Another good. thing is we have partnered with um, Ecker Sports, uh, who does NIL education. There's just a lot of questions and a lot of things mm. around NIL right now. Um, like it or don't like it, it is it's happening, right? Yes. So yes. Um, we do. We have partnered with them, and their provider. They follow all of the policies and all of the things around NIL at both the high school and college level. And we've partnered with them to be able to provide some additional uh, information and resources there as well. And we are working on an algorithm that will be more around the, the NIL, an NIL score as well. Okay. That's, I mean, if you can, if you can find out what the valuations are of a 17 year old quarterback who thinks he's going to play in the NFL with, you know, look at the Florida kid. I mean, you know, they had a valuation of him of $13 million and then, that all fell apart with the NIL. And I actually coined that phrase in my book called NIL stands for now it's legal. And, uh, and I, the second part of that is now it's litigate now in litigation, as you can see some of these, <laughs> these NIL issues going on. So, uh, you know, um, so where can people learn and to go to learn more about your company, uh, Diane? Sure. It's scoutsmartrecruiting.com. Okay. And we have a very actor active Twitter following and that's awesome. at, at ScoutSmart underscore. Okay. Awesome. Thank you. Um, so what's the one final thought that you want to leave us with today and why? Um, the final thought is make yeah. sure you understand the recruiting process and start early and uh, make sure you create your ScoutSmart profile too. So we can help you. Awesome. So the ScoutSmart profile is free, free. right? For Always all the, free. For all Always for the college, for the high school recruits, right? Correct. And we want to make Correct. sure that we want to make sure that Johnny is filling it out and not Johnny's parents. Or is it okay with you if, if Johnny's mom and dad fill it out because Johnny says, "Yeah, you know, I, 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 I'm not a technology guy." Although those <laughs> those most of those kids are more technology driven than we are. You yeah, know? yeah. Maybe it's a joint effort. We do require if they are under eighteen, we do want to know parental Excellent. permission that to be able to share the data. Um, that we have on that recruit. So maybe that one is joint, but uh, maybe the, maybe the student athlete takes the lead on it. 
Awesome. Awesome. Well, Diane, thank you so much for being part of our podcast today. And, you know, as I, as I always say, please do me a favor, all of you who are listening to this podcast series, pass it on to one other person in your, in your series or friends you have in your community that Diane just talked about and make sure whatever you do, start your recruiting early. So those relationships that you can build with those college coaches, regardless if they stay at the current college or leave and go someplace else, they want to know about you early on and follow, start following those coaches and make sure that you go to the camps that you think you can afford to go to, especially the ones that are in your sweet spot. And with that, I'm going to let Diane go back to work because she's very, very busy and have an awesome day. And please remember, don't outkick your coverage. This is Coach Nolan signing off. And thanks again to Miss Diane Bloodworth. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Diane. God bless. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye.